This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Dr. Amy Abernathy, the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting Chief Information Officer at the Food and Drug Administration. Amy, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. Today we're talking about the effort you guys have been doing to really modernize, really to improve the FDA systems and infrastructure networks, all of the above. But I'm going to start with the cloud because that seems to really underpin a lot of what everybody across government is doing. Let's just talk about your strategy to move to the cloud and and some of the current efforts that you have underway. Our cloud strategy is intended to make the use of the cloud easy, fast, and cost-effective. And that's because our cloud strategy underpins our entire IT modernization and data strategy. And in order to get there, there are three core elements, access, use, and security. So first, let me focus on access. We're doing this by fundamentally rethinking our traditional network design, which historically assumed that everything would be internal and and protected by this hard, secure perimeter. And now we need to move to a new environment where data and people may be literally anywhere. And this distinction of what's inside and outside is blurred. And with the pandemic and teleworking, we can't even really assume our employees or those of sponsors, stakeholders, and partners are necessarily gonna be in their buildings or facilities. And it forces us to completely rethink our network. We're using concepts such as software-defined networking and zero-trust principles in our new design. And the goal behind the new network design is to make it really easy but secure and be able to collaborate with people and data anywhere and at any time. That then takes me to the second core principle, which is use. And this second leg of our strategy is to make it really easy to use the cloud. We're taking a product or package service approach, and instead of every cloud activity being looked at as a custom project, we're looking at common use cases and creating package services that can be deployed really in easy, self service kind of automated ways that give the customer the majority of the capabilities that they need and then we can layer on top or customize for the remainder of their needs. This package service concept helps us both accelerate and standardize what we do in the cloud and really starts to accelerate our move to cloud. The final leg, the third principle, security. Hugely important to us at FDA and as we contemplate a collaborative environment where people and data that they need have to be able to access each other anywhere, it's, it's really vitally important that we maintain security and trust in that distributed world. We are focused on concepts such as zero trust networking in order to move to this new environment in a trustworthy and secure way. All right, a lot to unpack there. Let me back up and let me start with access. One of the things that I know talking to previous FDA CIOs, Todd Simpson is the one that comes to mind, of course. And Todd obviously was at the HHS headquarters, recently went to VA. And one of the things, he was a big proponent of really getting FDA to the cloud. So when you became acting CIO, you guys were already there to some extent and and you just took that last mile or last couple miles? This is not to say we had not embraced the cloud at all but rather how do we accelerate the move towards the cloud and how do we do so in a way that's packaged so that our customers inside the agency can understand what we're doing. So we need to be able to communicate to our agency customers and then our stakeholders outside the agency 
why we're moving to the cloud and what the solutions look like so that they can understand them. We need to make sure that we have pressure tested what is going to work and package it in a way that can now be served up to our customers. And, and I think that the thing that you're hearing me say is, as I talk about our acceleration to the cloud is that a core additional focus has been on the customer because we can say we want to do it, but until we actually have a move towards the cloud that our customers, which mean internal customers of the agency and stakeholders outside of the agency understand what we're doing and why, it's really hard to make that move. Interestingly enough, when we talk about the cloud, you're also talking about that this common approach, the standardization. I think that's a that's a key piece to that acceleration you talked to. Roughly, do you have percentages? Do you have an idea of you're about halfway there, quarter way there, mostly there? Do you get a sense? When I first joined FDA as CIO, the idea of packaging as a serviced approach, sort of the product approach, was something that was being actively discussed as our IT organization but we were still in the, in the infancy stage, really trying to think about now what does that mean and how do we deploy it. Over the course of the year, we have not only developed the processes and the services to do so, we've also made sure that we have the governance framework across the entire agency. We put that in place. So that was a key element of actually going from talking about a product and package solution to making it doable. We've really put in, as I said, the customer service approach. So now going back to your core question, which was, can I quantify the percentage of the way there? I think that we're probably in the maturation, maybe in teenagehood, not fully in adulthood yet, but we've made a lot of progress in both how we're going to package the services and how to deploy them and now being able to deploy them, as well as having the governance framework to make sure that that's doable. You can never underestimate good governance. You don't want cloud sprawl. I talk to CIOs all the time who worry about this idea of, well, I know who's going to the cloud and how they're going to it. And everyone takes a little bit of a different approach. It sounds like you guys have a good focused approach going forward, which actually it's, it's a great kind of segue to this idea of clouds, long-term, short-term priorities, moving applications, moving services. Do you kind of have a priority list, if you will, about what path you're on? I mentioned before that the priority list is really structured around our, our concepts of access, use, and security, and, and that's the foundation. And really, as we think about any new strategic initiative, we ask the first question, can we con- consider the cloud as a key foundation for this new strategic initiative? And how might we go about that? So we prioritize legacy and our on-prem mission critical capabilities that are coming to end of life. And rather than doing like-for-like upgrades in our on-prem environment, we look towards how can we move those to the cloud. And so, you know, practically speaking, as we get to end of life or close to end of life, that's, that's our highest priority. We then also look for opportunities to how we can rapidly retire um, many of our data centers. When I um, first arrived at FDA, it uh, sort of generally surprised me, I'll say, that we had at least five data centers. And now we're working on mapping a path to getting us quickly to two. And applications or environments that release our um, data center space, and practically speaking, those that release the most data center space, that gets the next level of priority um, for us. We see this move to the cloud to be a long-term plan, and what we've been doing is essentially taking steps down the path of our plan in a prioritized nature and asking 
what should we do first? And that's what like the end of life activities, what do we do second? How do we really stay the center? And then also how do we make sure that our customers all across the FDA are also getting comfortable with this move to the cloud? You sound like you'll be in that hybrid environment for quite a while. You'll have certain things that will go obviously to the public cloud, probably a government only cloud, and then also obviously keep things in house. When you talk about, because which clouds are created equal, right? You keep it in house, that's a cloud in itself. You, you might've moved to a government only or a public. How, what's that decision like? Can you walk me through maybe some of your thought process? There are a number of things that go into our general approach to thinking about um, about the cloud and making sense for specific applications. So the first is around capabilities. Um, this needs to be business driven, just like applications and vendors, we know what we'll have to create for a specific environment where multiple clouds can coexist and work transparently and securely. So we think about what are the capabilities there that are gonna be needed to allow that to happen. The second always for us is security and the level of security that's gonna to need to be built into different cloud services. And this is always gonna be a key deciding factor um, for us, especially as we think about what needs to be stored where. Um, for example, our high value assets, like how are we gonna think about all those different aspects? The third is operational quality. The stability and reliability of a cloud provider is going to be a major factor governing our decisions. Practically speaking, this really matters to us because operational quality then allows us to get about the business of doing the rest of our work. And then the fourth is price and value. Finally, when I think about price and value, I internal at FDA always think about the fact that we are um, using our own dollars because we're all taxpayers to make judicious decisions. And so we try to think about it from the perspective of how do we get the best value because we think about it from the perspective of I'm paying out of my own pocket in the same way I'm paying out of the pocket of every American. One of the things that, that I've heard time and again about kind of this approach is how business has really risen to the top. And more CIOs I talk to, you really point that out. What is the business need? How is How do we meet the operational, the mission needs? Is that, is that something that get a sense, and I'm, I'm not sure you'll have to remind me how long you've been at FDA for, is that something that's changed over the last, you know, three, five, seven years? Or is this something that maybe the FDA was culturally always had, had that focus on? Because a lot of times people say, well, what is, is it IT for IT's sake? You've probably heard that. Let me anchor how long I've been at FDA because that'll uh, help with my answer. So um, I joined FDA during the government shutdown. So February 2019, that's the way I remember it. Um, and took on the role of acting CIO in April of 2019. So just a little over a year ago. Um, that's important because it's given me enough time to think about core strategy and, and how we're going to do our IT modernization going forward. But I don't have a long history of understanding what had been some of the business decisions um, made at FDA before then. The other thing to know is that I came from the health tech industry. So had um, fundamentally been working in a health tech startup before coming to the FDA. Despite the fact that I'm an oncologist and have an, a, a clinical and academic background, I also have a health tech background. And, and, and building software and solutions outside of the government space um, for, for quite a while. And, and so came um, with that lens as well. So, you know, your question was as it relates to how do we build a customer-driven strategy? And 
you know, when I walked into FDA, we had had not had the opportunity to truly build a strategy for some number of years um, because we had had shifting CIOs. And that meant that it was a white space with respect to the opportunity to design a strategy that was customer focused, but also had a really a view to where is healthcare going, where is FDA going, and, and where does scalability go that isn't really about IT for IT, but IT is a solution set to get us there. All right. Welcome to the government. We're shut down. <laughs> that was my first day. That, that's going to be a fun story for another time. But first, we're going to take a quick break. My guest today is Dr. A.B. Abernathy, the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting CIO at the Food and Drug Administration. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Vion and Dell on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Vion and Dell on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Dr. Amy Abernathy, the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting CIO at the Food and Drug Administration. Amy, before break, we were starting to learn about how you guys are moving to the cloud. We learned about the, the three kind of ideas that underpin your cloud strategy, access, use, and security. All of that also now falls into this IT modernization, digital transformation strategy. Talk a little bit about your plans there, because obviously, as you said, the cloud is a piece to the bigger strategy. I joined as CIO in April 2019, as I mentioned, and in September 2019, we announced FDA's Technology Modernization Action Plan, otherwise known as our TMAP. And TMAP has three core elements. The first is to modernize our IT environment, including a cloud-forward strategy. Modernizing our IT environment includes not just the cloud-forward strategy, but also how do we improve the voice and visibility and capabilities of our workforce? What is the right organizational um, approach as a technical organization and also the governance approach for how our technical organization and our technical decision-making fits into the agency? So these were all elements critical for the first part of the team app. The second part of the team app is really a focus on starting to demonstrate capabilities of a modern IT and data organization through use cases or proof points. So this is our product orientation. And the idea in part two of team app is to help the agency writ large imagine the possible through these use cases and also understand what do we need to build as core central capabilities from an enterprise perspective. And an example of that is that we have started to build enterprise data lakes in order to allow across our different product centers at FDA, so for example, drugs and biologics and devices and food, to be able to allow cross-collaboration around the same data sets so that we can then solve problems that use data from, a, from, from multiple points across the agency. And that proof point or use case starts to demonstrate what's possible when we build better technical capabilities internally. The third part um, of the TMAP is to open up our communication channels with the broader community of data and technology stakeholders so that we can describe as an agency what we think are going to be the important technical capabilities to build across life sciences and food industry and animal industry in the future. And also we can under, understand what kinds of ideas and capabilities are moving forward in the landscape 
of the industries that we centrally regulate. And so that kind of communication channel allows us to say, let's think about solving the following problems. So for example, blockchain as a way of solving for track and trace for the food industry or for drugs. And so these are the kinds of things that happen in the third part of TNAP. So that is our technology modernization action plan. And as you can see, cloud is a key part of getting there. A couple of things to, to back up there on. Let me start with the uh, TMAP. So you, you launched it in September 2019. I'm sure there's a set of milestones and, and, and goals around them. Let's start with the modernization of the IT environment. You said it's not just improving the moving to the cloud, but really the, I think you said the voice and visibility of our workforce, technical governance approach, decision making, all those important kind of under, things that, that, again, I'll go back to underpins good technology. Let's start with the governance piece. How have you approached that? When we first started off with the Technology Modernization Action Plan, our governance model was predominantly a technical governance model. Um, each of our product centers, so as I mentioned, FDA is these different product centers. You can imagine they're like our business units, so drugs and biologics and food. And each product center had a technical representative onto the overall CIO council, but it was largely disconnected from the business. So we created a new governance model that had several features. Um, one was each of the business units or product centers, as we call them, has not only a technical representative, they have a business representative. And then both of those individuals have to be high enough in the organization to represent decision making. The second is that we really clarified the financial decision making, not just in line with Fatara, which we were previously doing, but making sure that this was well understood within the day-to-day -day financial workings of our overall agency so that everybody started to align on what business decisions we were making as an agency, not just um, from the CIO perspective. So that was a second key difference. And then the third was we up-leveled where the Governance Council reports in the agency so that there's visibility at the highest level of the agency. And because I'm the Principal Deputy Commissioner, that really helped because I could help to maneuver the placement of the governance model at a visibility level that then allows us to push that forward. So many times when you, when you talk about governance, that gets kind of lost in the shuffle. People, it's like enterprise architecture, people yawn and go, wow. But, but if you have the right governance in place, then moving forward with initiatives, which gets the second focus of, of the technology kind of roadmap, makes things easier. So when you start to demonstrate those capabilities, you have that buy-in. Has that been a really big difference or helped you kind of maybe even accelerate some of this digital transformation? Yeah, it's, you know, we're, we're, we're still in baby steps. Um, and I, I see the importance of continuing to learn as we do. But, you know, absolutely. So, you know, think about a pandemic where we are now all moving to teleworking. We historically in our old um, governance model, which we actually called the CIO Council, and now we call it the Tech Council. Fascinating how we've changed the language. But in our old model, we would have been very focused on sort of a lot of the minutia of the decision-making, the number of VPNs we have and those kind of things, as opposed to we want our entire workforce to be able to telework what's that going to take and how do we make the right business decisions as the agency. So we've moved from predominantly a set of specific, very specific technical decisions in the governance model to what is the overall objective and the outcome that we would like to get to 
And then what do we need to do from a business perspective and an overarching technical strategy perspective to get us there? And that's just one example that, you know, is fairly near term, but we've been practicing as we move through these right leveling the discussion so that it's appropriately strategic while also thinking about our technical capabilities. You bring up the pandemic. I got to ask the question about telework. How's FDA done? You obviously were doing this Zoom video from home, of course, uh, but how have you guys fared during the pandemic? Uh, you've, things have worked? As an agency, uh, we were ready to telework beforehand in that we had all of the right contractual elements in place, et cetera, but we had never pressure tested the ability to have the entire agency telework at once, let alone for the duration that we've now started to experience as the pandemic, plus all of the video capability and large um, networking capability, et cetera, that's needed. And, And in fact, we haven't missed a step. It's been quite remarkable. The things that we've run into that we've needed to think our way through, one was the last mile problem. We needed to help to do a lot of last mile problem solving with different um, people who work in our agency. And we needed to see that as part of our core competency of what we helped to problem solve. Because, you know, at the end of the day, as the technical org, it still looks like our responsibility, even if it's your local ISP, right? Uh, the, the second kind of example that we needed to, to, to solve for was really trying to, to make sure that we had enough VPN capability. Um, we had enough VPNs, but we needed to, to make sure that we sort of taught our, our agency a good VPN hygiene, I'd like to call it, which uh, was just making sure that people knew when to turn their VPNs off and those kind of things. What we found as a part of the teleworking is we managed it very well from a technical perspective. But do you know what was most important? It was the comms side. So we started a um, weekly, almost like newsletter, which was a little fun. We decided to try and, you know, bring a smile to people's days, but also had sort of tips and tricks that people needed in order to figure out teleworking at scale in the first couple of weeks. And it was remarkable how well that was received. We doubled down on making sure we had enough help desk support and then said, call us as opposed to don't call us, which really helped to create a sense of confidence that we've got your back. And then we said, we've got your back. And the other thing that we did was we established a weekly teleconference with all of the IT representatives in each of our business units or product centers so that they knew we had their back and we were ready to really problem solve along with them. And those elements, I think, got us over what could have been a very difficult early hump and allowed us then to get into a pretty comfortable cadence of how to do this. You can't underestimate the importance of communications because as I've heard, you communicate, you communicate, and then you continue to communicate. So Kudos to you guys for thinking of something just very simple, but, but very effective, it sounds like. Uh, Amy, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue your conversation about your IT modernization priorities and strategy. My guest today is Dr. Amy Abernathy, the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting Chief Information Officer at the Food and Drug Administration. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Vion and Dell on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Vion and Dell on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Dr. Amy Abernathy, the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting CIO at the Food and Drug Administration. Amy, before break, we're starting to talk a little bit about the pandemic and the, the challenges you guys had in really ensuring that you, as you said, you were, your network was ready, it was stress tested, it was 
could, could really meet the needs of the remote workforce. And one of the things that occurred to me as you went through it is that last mile issue that you brought up of making sure you can connect to that last mile. And the FDA is a very mobile organization. I mean, you have food inspectors, you have drug inspectors, you have people everywhere, not just across the US, but around the world. How were you able to kind of balance that with the pandemic to ensure they had the tools and the technologies and they were able to get their work done? You're absolutely right. Um, when I, I think about FDA, I was amazed to, to learn that I believe we have north of 250, maybe almost 300 sites where we have people around the world. And we usually have people working internationally. And then, as you said, they're mobile as they go to different inspections and, and do their work. So that had been a part of our culture and what we had to plan for before the pandemic. And that has layered on to now our large teleworking workforce. How do we deal with it? There's the tools side. So making sure that everybody has access to reliable mobile phones and making sure that we are able to solve any um, networking problems and everybody's laptop works. That's one part of doing this. And we had that muscle already in place. We just had to make sure now it was working at scale um, as we've been dealing with both the teleworking workforce and, and our mobile community. But there's a couple of other things I think that's interesting um, about this. Another was that in the context of the Technology Modernization Action Plan, I mentioned that middle category of TMAP um, strategy where we are building tools and solutions where people can see, oh, now I get it. Here's how our technology organization can help us. And one of the issues is the decision-making as to what is happening related to the pandemic in a locale. So are the cases increasing, deaths increasing, are there enough ICU beds? And is it safe for us to spend, to send, excuse me, an inspector for a routine inspection, whether that's a food inspection or a drug inspection, um, importation, et cetera. And so what we did was built a tool suite that incorporated data from CDC and multiple national databases, coupled with what we know about the places that we inspect that now serves up to our supervisors and others who need to make the decision, can the inspection happen in real time to be able to give essentially a red, yellow, green signal as to whether or not we should be thinking about sending our inspector or our um, employee to that locale. And it was a really great example of in the, you know, <laughs> running fast activity of the pandemic, we could pull down, pull together multiple capabilities through that product mindset that's a part of our new technology modernization action plan strategy and solve a problem related to our mobile workforce. I'm going to have to ask the question. You, you open the door, I'm going to walk through it. The cloud, that had to play a role in this tool suite because if you have to access it from anywhere at any time, you can't be sitting back at the database. I'm guessing here, right? A hundred percent, right? And so this is a cloud-based solution. It also helps to highlight the ability to essentially have a data lake-like solution where data sets are, multi are being pulled in um, into multiple, um, into one place from multiple places. And also it highlights the analytic solution put on top that's not only an, a um, 
ability to have essentially a visual map of the United States or internationally, in this particular case, we're starting off with the US, a visual map and a really quick signal of red, yellow, green, but also the ability for that tool suite to be virtually available anywhere because it's, a, it's accessible in, through virtual means. It really made a difference. I, I can imagine because if you don't know, if you're an inspector and you say, oh, I have to go to you know, North Dakota, what's happening in North Dakota, you may not know. And to be able to look at a heat map almost and say, oh, that's not a hot spot. Okay, I feel comfortable going there or I don't. So no, that's a, it's a great use. And it's actually also a great segue to that other part of the, of the team map when you talk about proof of concepts and really saying, let's demonstrate those capabilities. You talked about the data lake. This also goes back to, you recently hired a chief data officer and you have a CTO, a chief technology officer that helps you kind of work through these uh, other pieces and parts. Walk me through why those two folks and who are they, of course, are so important to this broader goal. As I mentioned for our technology modernization action plan, a key part of the first component of our strategy was the technical organization itself and, and how do we want to organize ourselves. And I, you know, asked myself, you know, who are the leaders we need in place to help to move this organization forward? And first of all, I want to make sure before I talk about those leaders, that one of our approaches is a culture within our technical work that we're moving to, towards where everybody can be a leader, where we're really trying to, to surface the voice of our entire technical community. But we still need to have um, the you know, senior leadership that can help advance the vision. And um, we hired a chief technology officer, Vid Desai. He came from industry and also has a private equity background. So really understands how to make sure that we keep the finances in check and the technology in check, and is also a very experienced senior leader when it comes to actually making sure we build the culture and the people, which was very important to our technical work. In March, we hired a chief data officer, um, and Ram Iyer also comes from industry. Now he comes from the life sciences industry and really thinks about data, artificial intelligence, how do we build teams, where one of the things he said in his interview where they can um, where we can unlock the elastic capacity of our own people at FDA in helping to think about data and analytics because going out and hiring a whole bunch of AI experts is probably not what the FDA is going to do instead we need to figure out how do we build that muscle inside of FDA and that's really his core skill set and what we hired him for and now what we're doing is really thinking about how do we bring the 10x skills of each of the people across our overall technical work to the table so that everybody really is a part of the leadership. The other thing I would mention is we have a spectacular CISO and security is very important to us. And um, our chief information um, security officer, Craig Taylor, has been a key part of the organization for a long time. And making sure we have the CISO voice is very important. When you talk about the, the third piece to the modernization plan, it, the third piece here is, is open channels of communications. Let me bring in the broader community. Let me look at the landscape of industries you talk about that you, that you guys work with on the day-to-day -day basis to, to understand their needs and what they're looking for out of data. How are you starting to do that? And where is the, and I'll, go, I'll kind of go back to the beginning, the cloud's got to play a role there too, because like probably with the National Science Foundation or with some of the other 
kind of scientific and, and medical agencies, they want to be able to share data as much as possible. This one is the most nascent of, of, of our three components of our strategy. So the, the one where I see us just getting going. And the way that I imagine us getting there is to have a series of listening sessions, to understand a landscape map of what technologies are being used across the industries we regulate, and also what technologies are being used inside the FDA so that we can understand how these might work together, and also to be able to develop new ways of surfacing, here's what we think is going to be important. Let me give you a couple of practical examples. As FDA, uh, one of the things that's important to us is the conduct of clinical trials to test new drugs or biologics, um, because this is the way that we understand both safety and effectiveness of the medical products. We care a lot about the development of new tools and solutions that allow more facile and efficient conduct of clinical trials. So we want to see clinical trials be more efficient, but we also want to make sure that these, there's the integrity of the data of the clinical trial. So being able to help those industries that are building those kinds of software solutions understand what we think good looks like, and then also to build the facilities that allow, for example, the rapid transfer of data out of those solutions into the FDA so we have um, efficient data exchange are the kinds of things that we think are going to happen in the future. And we can't really point that way unless we can open up the communication channels to say, here's what we're thinking. What are you thinking? Where does this go? All right. You mentioned data. You mentioned data strategy stuff. So we're going to come back and take a quick break and come back and maybe talk more about that. My guest today is Dr. Amy Abernathy, the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting CIO at the Food and Drug Administration. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Vion and Dell on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Vion and Dell on Federal News Network. I'm Jason Miller. My guest today is Dr. Amy Abernathy, the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting CIO at the Food and Drug Administration. Now, Amy, before break, we were talking about data a little bit, and you mentioned your new CDO. You mentioned this idea of a data strategy. So let's start there. Uh, data is the lifeblood. Uh, every time I talk to an agency, it's data is the new oil. We can't live without our data. You can fill in your, uh, your, your old adage there. How are you at the FDA focused on data? And of course, where does the cloud fit into that discussion? Well, I wanted to say data is the lifeblood. It's our oil. We can't live without our data. <laughs> so, but, very you know, very good. <laughs> but, but seriously, when we think about what is the core that keeps FDA humming, what we do is review data in order to make decisions about the products that we regulate. So data is the fundamental element to how we make our regulatory decisions every day. And practically speaking, therefore, the way that we think about data, the way that we use data at our agency, also informs how we're going to have the capabilities to use data efficiently as we make our regulatory decisions. When we set up our Technology Modernization Action Plan in September, I estimated that approximately 18 to 24 months after the TMAP came out, we would be announcing our enterprise data strategy, which still needs a name, but we'll call it the DMAP for the moment. And that was September. By March, it was clear that the enterprise data strategy was critical and, in fact, was going to be right on the heels of the Technology Modernization Action Plan. That was partly because the time period to really set up our move to the cloud and help to advance our technical organization 
was shorter than I thought it was going to be. And also because the criticality of data, artificial intelligence, and how we're going to use data in the future was also sitting right in front of us. And this was a little bit pre-pandemic, actually. In January of 2020, at the Consumer Electronics Show, I announced our forthcoming data enterprise data strategy. And we had our first public meeting to talk about what the core elements of our enterprise data strategy are going to look like. And that happened on June 30th with a plan to really put forward a fuller strategy um, by uh, the end of this calendar year. What do I think is going to be included? Well, the first um, element of the enterprise data strategy, I think, is going to focus on how do we make sure that we have the technical organization ready for enterprise data strategy, and that's going to be cloud forward, as we've already discussed. We'll also include, for example, um, a data lake strategy, appropriate security, um, and, and uh, th thinking a lot about sort of access um, and uh, read, write, and inputs, et cetera. The second part of our data strategy is going to focus on the data itself. How do we aggregate data? How do we link data? How do we think about the appropriate governance of data, privacy? So what are the issues as it relates to the data itself? And how are we going to, as an agency, start to advance our capabilities? Because we think about pulling data sets together to fill in data gaps, which ultimately in this data access component, a core, core question is data quality. In clinical data, which is the data sets that we typically work with, data quality is often a key question. There's a lot of dirty data in, <laughs> in healthcare data. And so a key focus of this second part of our data strategy is going to be improving data quality. And then the third part of our data strategy is going to be about using data. And I think that the whole data strategy is going to be about putting data to use because one of the best ways to improve data quality is to use data. Actually, one of the best ways to get the entire community understanding what's possible is to use data. And as I think about putting data to use, that's going to include analytics. It's going to include data storytelling and visualization. It's going to include making sure that we think about novel capabilities, including artificial intelligence and blockchain. So that's really where I see that part of our enterprise data strategy going. You mentioned earlier about the hiring of a new chief data officer back in, I think, March timeframe. Is that person spending 90 days on a listening tour? Or are they collecting information? Are they meeting with the business units to try to say, okay, what really needs to be from a customer perspective, or from an agency customer perspective, what needs to be addressed from a data strategy perspective as well? So I came from the tech industry, specifically health tech. And in that part of my life, we always had a 90 to 120 day onboarding. And our terrific chief data officer walked into an organization where he was onboarding with Amy's health tech-like onboarding plans in the middle of a pandemic where everybody's teleworking. So what does that look like? You know, one is appropriately meeting people, although we have to be creative about how he meets people in a pandemic. Um, and I've tried to make sure that he really understands priorities and how people think. So it's not about meeting leadership, so to speak, but it's actually about understanding customers. The second part of this onboarding is really around doing specific projects that teach the why. And I mentioned before our project um, around helping to know when an inspector can go to a particular 
the manufacturing plant to do an inspection and he led that project and by leading that project he started to understand all of the motivations and the people and who does what in actually pushing that project forward so specific projects and then the third part of his onboarding is actually the listening tour piece um, where he sp spends a lot of time in different meetings and, and different capabilities but actually i think it's the third part not the first part all right excellent we've talked a lot about data we've talked a lot about cloud we've talked it modernization are there other priorities other things on your plate not that it's not full enough right i, I think we've hit upon in different ways in today's conversation about the importance of workforce and culture it of the future sort of technical organizations of the future I personally believe will benefit from a shift from hierarchical and almost more military-esque in their sort of historical way of being organized to flatter, more collaborative, multiple um, cross-linking of different capabilities to come up with new product solutions and plans. So we've focused a lot on culture where the first part of culture is building community and trust the second part of culture is building communication inside of our organization and external with our customers. The third part of, a cult of, our, of our culture is acknowledging that we need to continuously update our skills, not about having people with new skills replace us, but actually all of us having 10x skills that we bring to the table, but also continuing our learning in a learning environment. And then um, really that's helped us then sort of think about what we might look like in the future. Change in culture is hard, and so none of this is going to happen quickly. But you know, one of the things that I have seen since, since I've come um, to the agency is a you know a, a sort of a huge shift in how people are excited to talk about what's going on. Um, our technical org is called OIMT, and I call it hashtag OIMT Proud. And you know, the more that we can focus on the visibility of our culture being critical to us. It's more than FEV scores. It's actually being able to do our business better. Another example of, of a metric that I am currently using, uh, we were previously losing a lot of our technical staff to our business units who, who could pay more. And we've started to see that shift. And I'm continuing to watch that because we should be the place that people want to work because we make it the place that people want to work. And that's a really big focus for us. And as we brought in new senior leaders, it's senior leaders, but senior leaders who are servant leaders to push an organization forward. It's been a fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Dr. Amy Abernathy is the Principal Deputy Commissioner and Acting CIO at the Food and Drug Administration. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Vion and Dell on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.